0: And remember Malachi is a dialogue between the prophet and the Lord. And God has these things against them. And they are saying, when did we do this? How did we do this? And so he tells them in each case where their sin is. Uh, So this evening we are going uh, to look at the judgment that God is going to eventually bring. Please stand for the reading of God's word this evening. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Start reading in chapter 2 and verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to you, to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts, but who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like the refiner's fire, like the fuller's brush. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. The offering of Judah and the Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in the former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. The grass withers a flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Please be seated. Let's go to God in prayer. And pray for me as I preach this text. Pray for yourselves. And by the way, the reason I did not say that this morning, I did not want that many people in the church to know about it. So don't tell anybody about me falling asleep. Pray. Our God and Father, O Lord, how we thank you for the Scriptures and how we ask your blessings upon us now. I pray that you would be with me as I preach this text. I pray that you would be with the people that are assembled here and that they would hear and that we all would understand and that it would be, O God, that it would affect our hearts, O Lord, that it would influence the way that we view life, and that would increase our commitment to you, our King and our God. O Lord, bless this time in your word for the glory of Christ and the sanctification of us, your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Israel, at this point in the history of the Old Testament church, as pretty much living out what we read in the book of Judges. Each man does what is right in their own eyes. And yet they are a very, very religious people. As I've stated earlier, these are not atheists. But the key to their problem is contained in this verse, verse 5, where it says this, that they do not fear me. You remember in the book of Proverbs, you may hear me repeat this again, in chapter 1 and verse 7, it says this, the beginning of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom. And so ask ourselves this question, how seriously do we take our own profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? And how seriously do we live out our faith? How seriously do we live out our Christianity? The people here, if you accuse them at this time, if we could stand face to face with one of them, and basically say to them, you are a non-believer. You're living a life that indicates that you don't believe in God. And yet they claimed faith. They claimed that they did know the Lord. They claimed that they did love the Lord. And they were going through religious activities. It's not that they were ignoring the cultic ordinances of the Old Testament. They were observing those things, but they were observing them in such a way as to deny the God who ruled them, His authority, as to deny the precepts of Scripture. They were living in such a way that they were a practical atheist. And so here they are thinking that the day is not going to come to pay the piper. No price to pay for how I live. No price to pay for my indifference to the things of God. No price to pay for failing to approach Him and worship Him and love Him as He calls me to do. And let me ask you this question. If you could do whatever you wanted to do and get away with it, what would you do? And I will remind you. That you have a soul that is depraved. You have a heart that is depraved. Once we are converted, depravity does not disappear. It's still there. We still have that remnant of sin that is within us. And we act upon it. Do we not? If you don't act upon it, let me know. I want to know what the secret is. We act upon it. And so what would you do if you could do anything and get away with it without any consequences whatsoever to face? Well, let's say that you were beginning to have some financial problems. Well, not rob a bank then. Why not? There's no price to pay. There'll be no price to pay later. Why not? It would solve your problem. You'd have the money that you need. All you have to do is take the law into your own hands, so to speak. Well, Israel at this point, is living as if, again, there is no God. They have called for God's judgment. And earlier in verses 2, in chapter 2 and verse 17, they say this, God doesn't pay attention. God doesn't call wickedness wickedness. You see it here, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of God. God. It's the same issue, it's the same problem that Habakkuk had, when Habakkuk is looking at the the world in which he lives, and he says this, How long shall I cry for help, and you not hear, or cry to you violence, and you do not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at what is wrong? We may say that in our own day and age, when we see things, and it seems as if, The influence of the gospel is non-existent except within the church. There are things going on now within our own denomination that are cause for concern. Dr. Robertson, like Tim said, we need to be so grateful for Dr. Robertson. In his presbytery, they are teaching theistic evolution. And one man, at least, is leading the charge against that. And that's O. Palmer Robertson. Theistic evolution. We had a man that came to our presbytery years ago. He was being examined by the committee, which is a candidates and credentials committee. I was on that committee. And I may have told you this before. He said he believed that Adam was a brute beast. Uh, a knuckle dragger, so to speak. And it was not until God breathed the breath of life into him that he became Adam. He became man. Well, he failed. Three people voted for him to Pass. Four people voted against him. I was one of those who voted against him. That's happening in the Presbytery where Dr. Robertson is a member. How far afield can we go and still consider ourselves a church where the people in the Old Testament thought they could go way far afield and still consider themselves the people of God? We live in a fallen world. We are going to experience things in a fallen world, but we do so with the hope of God's righteousness and justice being revealed to us. This, morning, this evening, not too quickly, <laughs> uh, we will see this, uh, that because God is a God of justice, we can expect him to bring judgment against the wicked. Therefore, we should be encouraged to live our lives faithfully and in hope. If we ever feel overwhelmed, if we ever feel like we are drowning in a sea of despair because we fail to see the real power of the gospel at work, then do not be afraid, do not fear, do not be in despair. God is at work, and God is observing, and God is going to bring judgment. The first thing in, God is going to bring judgment against the wicked. Now, we like a nice life. We like to have nice things. We call God's blessings to be upon us. We call God to uh, uh, to share us, uh, share uh, shower His goodness upon us. Uh, and the people in the Old Testament were doing the same thing: bless us, give us these good things, but don't expect us to obey you. Don't expect us to adhere to your laws, because we are not going to do that. They're too strict. They're too severe. They're too hard to follow. And besides that, what's wrong with being lazy about worship? What's wrong with um, offering an animal this disease? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with getting rid of our wives at a certain point and getting new younger wives? What's wrong with that? We say to God. and That's what they were saying to the Lord. And so he assures them that the time is going to come when he is going to bring judgment. And it says that in chapter three. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming. The same thing again. Then I will draw near to you for judgment, he says. So they want God to draw near. They want God to draw near for blessings. They want God to draw near for the benefits that he brings to his people by his goodness that is expressed upon them. But don't expect us to in any way change our mode of thinking, to expect us uh, to give in to your demands because they're terribly unreasonable. Don't expect us to do these things. Just give us the good things that you can. And that's where we are, they say to him. And that's what we are going to do. And that is all that we are going to do because we simply have no fear of you. So the promise of judgment comes to his people. When God arrives, when God comes forth to bring chastisement upon his people, notice this. I will be a swift witness. Psalm 139 lets us know that God knows all things, that God sees all things, that we can't hide from God. In the dark, we read in Psalm 139, he sees just as well in the dark as he does in the light. We cannot Pull the wool over God's eyes. We cannot in any way uh, live in such a way as he does not notice. I am the witness against you, he says, to the people of Israel. A swift witness. So we do not need to call somebody to the stand. This is the idea here. I don't need to call somebody to come uh, validate what I have seen because I've seen it with my own eyes, God is saying here. And I serve as the witness against you. I am uh, the judge. I am the jury. I am the executioner, God is saying to them at this point. And you remember at this end of this Old Testament prophecy, that's it. There's silence. There's not a word from God for 400 years. And Maccabees, Old Testament um, book of history... It says in the book of Maccabees, and I've told you this before, there have ceased to be prophets among us in these days. Well, what a time of despair. Why has he stopped talking to us? Why has he closed the doors of heaven, if you will? Why has he stopped revealing his way to us? Because they had the scriptures They had the Old Testament prophets. They had the Word of God. They still had priests to talk to them, not prophets, but priests. They knew what to do, just like we know what to do. But we don't always do it. And sometimes we go to great lengths not to do it. Well, that's where they are at this point. He has come against them as witness. He sees all, and he comes to them and judgments. Let me read this to you. He may seem not to be noticing sin uh, and he delays his punishment. We may say that today. He seems not to be noticing sin because the wicked get away with it and the wicked increase in power and those who are faithful seem to lose all power. Any pulpit where you have somebody behind it that doesn't deal with sin, that doesn't deal with current issues, it doesn't deal with the condition of our own country and the world. It doesn't need to be behind that pulpit. You look at the Old Testament prophets. Again and again and again, they called out God's people. They were a light in the darkness. They were salt in the earth. And that's what we're called to be as individual Christians. We're called to be light and salt as christians if we fail to speak against these issues that are facing our country today mutilation all this nonsense who's going to say anything nobody nobody so god comes to these people of old and though it may seem that he's not noticing he is watching his sleep beside is watching noticing the sinner, and he says, this is again a quote, that he gets hotter and hotter in his anger the longer he waits while these um, impious people uh, were in, um, thought they were fooling God and thinking that God did not hate sin because he did not punish them. They were sadly deceived. And the fact is, he is a God of justice. He is a God who does bring judgment against sin. Listen to this, First Thessalonians 5.3. I hope this is the right reference. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful if on Sunday night we didn't look at the clock at all? We stay here till 10 o'clock. I saw some looks, it looked like some people disagreed with that. And then Charles could get up and preach after I get through. What a grand time that would be. First uh, Thessalonians chapter five and verse three. Listen to what is recorded there. While people are saying there is peace and security. Sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Al Martin used this when he preached that very famous sermon of his, Biblical Perspectives on the Destruction of the Space Shuttle Challenger. He was saying, they were saying, safety and peace, peace and safety, and the sudden destruction came upon them. It was the shuttle not like something of the Titanic, the unsinkable Titanic, the brilliance, technology, and yet it failed. It failed, and I'm not saying that in any kind of heartless way. I I hate that that happened. I was watching it when it happened, when the space shuttle blew up. And I knew something was wrong because the transmission kept as if nothing had happened, but you could see something had gone wrong. We're not so smart after all, are we? We're not so terribly clever after all, are we? We can't outdo God after all, can we? As these people here saying, he does not notice, he does not uh, seem to be involved in our lives at all, and therefore we are not going to fear him. And we have to uh, recognize that he does notice, and he does keep account, and he does bring judgment. We had a man who came to the Southwest for a long time who said he didn't sin. He was disruptive, he was rude, he caused trouble in Sunday school classes. I took him to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. If a man says he has no sin, he deceives himself, and the truth is not in him, and he still would not accept it. He also thought Jesus sinned until he was 30 years old. That's heresy. That's heresy. So here the people of God are confused in their theology and in their thinking. So he mentions several sins here as he continues on. I will be a swift witness against the saucers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow and the fatherless. And these last three, the sojourner who does not, uh, and the sojourner, the last four here all have to do with greed. All have to do with the love of money. Um, uh, they... Um, uh, they... Swear falsely against uh, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow, the fatherless, against those who are thrust aside as sojourners. In other words, uh, it is because they have an obligation to help these people. They're refusing to do so because they're greedy. The same thing that happened in the Old Testament with Nehemiah as they were selling their own daughters and children into slavery in order to get by. And what uh, they were greedy, that was it. Love makes the world go around. No, it doesn't. money makes the world go around. That's what the mindset of these people as he brings out these sins that they are committing. And so they do these things with the idea there's nothing wrong with it. And what is the root cause of their sin? It is this. They do not fear the Lord. Why? They don't know him. They don't know God. They know about God in that great book of, of uh, Packer, Knowing God. Packer says it's one thing to know about God. It's another thing to know God. I know about Willie Nelson. I know a lot about Willie Nelson. I heard Willie Nelson play in Hattiesburg, Mississippi at the Reed Green Coliseum at USM back. Long time ago, maybe 70, I don't even know if I was married at the time, maybe it was 78, maybe something like that. I don't know Willie Nelson. I'd like to be friends with him, I'd like to play guitar with him, I'd like to sing with him, but that's never going to happen. I know about him, I don't know him. These people knew about God, they didn't know God, they had no personal relationship with God. And that's one of the problems here. They did not know God and they did not know themselves either. They did not understand the fact that they were sinners and the fact that they needed help with that sin to be acceptable to God. They needed to take it seriously. I told you before, again, what Bill comes about, I miss him. What he said one night here in the pulpit, God takes your sin seriously. He took the sin seriously of these people here. They didn't Acknowledge that, but he did. And so he says here he is going to bring judgment, he is going to be the witness against them again. He needs no one else to serve as a witness. And the key to having a healthy relationship with God is the fear of the Lord. My daddy used to take me to see Hammer films all the time, Hammer. It's a production company out of England. Y'all are looking like you didn't know what Hammer Production was. It's a production company out in England. And Peter Cushing, y'all know who Peter Cushing is? Peter Cushing. Man, Charles, you just lived on a rock. (laughs) Peter Cushing was another British actor that made a lot of it. with Christopher Lee. You know Christopher Lee. He played in The Lord of the Rings. He played uh, the bad guy in The Lord of the Rings. Christopher Lee and, and um, uh, Peter Cushing made a bunch of these films, Hammer films, with Frankenstein and Dracula, which they remade from the oh Universal films. The Universal films are much, much better. Uh, than Dracula and Frankenstein in the 1930s, much, much better productions uh, than the Hammer films ever were, in my opinion. Um, but, uh, you know, my father, we, we go to the driving, we see his horror movies, and go home and he's scared to death of, 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 after seeing his horror. Films, I think they'd be at my window at night. Well, that's not what it means to fear God. It doesn't mean to be afraid of God. But it means to recognize that he has authority over you, and he will bless you for your obedience, and he will judge you for your disobedience. And what you want is God's smile upon you, not his displeasure. But a smile. That doesn't mean you'll never suffer uh, chastisement, but there's a difference in chastisement and judgment. Chastisement was talked about in the book of Hebrews where he says those whom love the Lord disciplines those people. That's not the same thing as being judged by God for some wrong we've committed. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and the respect that we should have concerning God. We should be afraid to sin against him. We should be afraid to do wrong. These people had no fear of God whatsoever, and therefore he tells these things that they're doing. They are, uh, they are uh, sorcerers. They're involved in the occult. They're involved in witchcraft. They're involved in uh, soothsaying. Uh, they're involved in trying to predict the future. And God disapproves of that. You remember when Saul was king, they ran all the uh, the witches out of uh, of Israel, except for this one witch of Endor. And God refused to talk to Saul, so he was driven to the point of having to go speak to this witch this witch at Endor. And that's a very interesting text, by the way. The adulterers, those who swear falsely, those who lie, all of these things that these people were doing, they had no fear of the Lord. God's not going to do anything. God doesn't have any power. God's, now, look, he's not done anything so long. Uh, these past many years, he's not going to do anything now. He's not going to wake all of a sudden and deal with us. And we get to think that way, perhaps, with our own society. God is well aware of what's going on, and he hates it. He disapproves of it. And what we have to do is have the confidence that God is aware and God is going to act. You keep this in mind. As it says in the book of Romans, His wrath is being revealed against all kinds of ungodliness, hell, by giving them over to what they want to do. That's the wrath of God. You want to live this way? Go ahead. You want to think this way? Go ahead. You want to marry your brother? Brother or brother? Go ahead. Go ahead. Indulge yourself in these things. That's God's wrath. He gave them over to those things that should not be done. That's the wrath of God. And so it's not that there's a lack of revival. It's not that God's word not effective. It's God's wrath is being revealed against all kinds of ungodliness in the world. There are things happening in our day, quite frankly, I never ever thought I would see happen. And quite frankly, things that a rudimentary knowledge of biology corrects. Yet God gave them over. And the amazing thing to me is you'll have people that are even physicians that say, well, you can't say this is a little boy. You have to wait until he gets older and to see how he identifies. You can't say this is a little girl. You have to wait. Biology says they're always saying pay attention to the science. Pay attention to the science. They don't. It's something as elementary as identification of male or female. Just because it seems to be that God is not bringing forth judgment does not mean that he's not. He is indeed at work, alive, and working in our society. Do you live your life in a confidence that God is on the throne? Do you live your life with the confidence that Christ is ruling at this moment? No matter what is happening, no matter what we see taking place, Christ is on his throne. And the church is going to prevail. The church is not going to be swallowed up. The church is not going to lose its influence in the world. It may be that the church is chastised. It may be that the church undergoes discipline. But it is ever going to prevail. And we stand up for the cause of Christ with great courage. Because we know and we love and we fear our great God who is at work. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to speak out. Don't be afraid to take a stand. Don't be afraid to face tomorrow. Don't be afraid of what may come. Because Christ is ruling. I love Larry Albert. He is a brother to me. I've known him for so many, many years. I have no guarantee that he's going to live through this procedure had men, godly men assembled around that bed praying for him Joy Piper by technology was present there on the phone, the speaker but there's no guarantee that Larry's going to get well pray that he does and I hope that he does but praying for him anointing him with oil and praying for him does not get God over a barrel and now he has to tread, has to bring relief to him by healing. That is not the case. We pray for him, and we long to see Larry get well. But even if he does not, even if God refuses to do that, we still live in the reality that Christ is ruling. And Christ is good and gracious and merciful, always. And though the world isn't helter skelter, at this point it seems like he is still ruling. And he's sovereign. He's ruling this country. He's ruling the world. And he's doing a good job. We have to rest in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, our Lord, for uh, this evening. Do thank you that you are a God who takes notice, and you're a God who will bring correction And though there are times when it seems like the church is being swallowed up in a sea of lawlessness, you are still on the throne, and you are still ruling, and you will give and call people to account. And we thank you that we can look forward to the day, the last day, when Christ shall return and the dead in Christ shall be raised. Lord, may we live with the confidence of that reality. We thank you for your love for us in Jesus, and we pray in his name. Amen.